This is the CSIS Global Health Interview Series at www.smartglobalhealth.org. Good morning. Um, I'm speaking with Josette Sheeran, the Executive Director of the World Food Program. Good morning, Mrs. Sheeran. Good morning. The last time we spoke, at the end of 2008, you said three crises, the food, financial, and fuel crises, had come together to create a perfect storm, leaving millions of people hungry. What has changed since that time, and have these underlying causes been addressed? Well, there was a tremendous emergency response from the world that helped many people who were facing extreme hunger in the wake of those crises. And um, so that scale-up, where the World Food Program was able to reach 30 million more people overnight, really helped settle things down and stop the food riots that we were seeing. But the crisis has only deepened in many of these countries. The food prices remain very high for 80% of the commodities we track in the developing world, some of them higher than a year ago, and many of them even double than they were three years ago. So we still see that pressure, and the financial crisis is, is hurting people's incomes. We're seeing a drop in remittances in many countries, a drop in investment, and so the bottom billion is getting deeper into crises. Hunger is a compounding problem. If you don't have enough food, your nutritional status will deteriorate, and this is very dangerous, and we're in danger of losing a generation of children who are not getting enough nutrition early enough in life. And we know now, the science shows us, that their brains and their bodies will be damaged for life. So we're still issuing an emergency call to the world for action to help intervene with those who are most vulnerable in the wake of these crises. Also in our earlier interview, you spoke of then-President-elect Obama's potential to turn hunger into hope. What steps has the Obama administration taken to address food insecurity, and what are the critical next steps the U.S. should take to address these issues? Well, I am just so pleased that President Obama decided to make this his core issue at the L'Aquila Summit, which was a gathering of the G8 leaders, where food security emerged as the number one initiative out of that G8 meeting. This is beyond our expectations and our hopes that the leading nations of the world would say, we are not out of of the woods. We have to take the wake-up call of the food crisis seriously. Um, Today, more than a billion people will wake up not sure how to get a meal on Earth. This is inherently destabilizing, and it becomes a peace and security issue. But President Obama not only committed over $3 billion over the next uh, coming years to address food insecurity in the developing world, but has really uh, initiated a huge um, project within the government, the U.S. government, to work with nations to solve the food insecurity problem. And so we've seen Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and the Agricultural uh, uh, Minister Vilsack and the Treasury Department and others coming together to say, how can we help nations that are really serious about defeating hunger uh, act? Um, We call it the coalition of the serious, those nations that are ready and have plans of action, now getting backing from the United States and others for their own plans. This is quite revolutionary. On that security note, um, we've seen deteriorating security situations in countries such as Somalia and Afghanistan. 
Do you think food insecurity is a driving factor behind political stability, and if so, why? Well, it has been for millennia. If you read um, human history, um, we don't have to go much farther back than uh, Cleopatra and Mark Anthony bringing the Roman Empire to its knees by cutting off the wheat supply. Um, if people do not have food, one of three things happen. They migrate, they revolt, or they die. Uh, it's very important that we're seeing whole populations trapped without food, that the world intervenes to provide stabilizing solutions. In a world where we're facing more severe climate impacts and where, as the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel Report on Climate Change, predicts fundamentally that the dry areas will get drier and the wet areas wetter, we have to get ahead of this curve. Today in the Horn of Africa, there simply isn't enough food to reach the populations due to a prolonged drought that's causing a real crisis there. And so we do see the destabilizing nature of this. And today, the World Food Program is reaching up to half the population in Somalia, 40% of the population in Afghanistan, intervening to help stabilize situations where people uh, don't have access to enough food. The World Food Program is an emergency relief organization, but must also consider long-term solutions in order to lift people out of hunger and poverty. Could you talk a little bit about this relief, recovery, and development continuum, continuum and how you collaborate with other multilaterals and world leaders? Well, first of all, the World Food Program has over three decades of experience in what I'll call food safety nets. This is something that uh, is so a part of the culture of the more developed world that many people don't even fully recognize the role they play in stabilizing hunger in richer countries. So if you look at the United States today, we have 20% of America drawing on a food security net now in the aftermath of the uh, financial crisis, whether it's food stamps, now called SNAP, or school lunches, or nutrition support programs. These become very important that you can scale up these food safety nets in a time of troubles. Most of the developing world does not have a food safety net. And so if there's a drought or a war or a crisis, there's nothing to draw on. There's no backup plan. And so the World Food Program has instituted school meals programs in many dozens of nations, and more than 30 have graduated from needing our help, have instituted those programs permanently, including in China and Brazil, countries that used to be very dependent on WFP help. Uh, last year, Morocco, Jordan, Senegal graduated from needing any of our help in their school lunch programs. So we have a variety of these safety nets that address the critical issue of connecting the vulnerable with food. To me, this is the biggest challenge the world has. The world knows how to grow food. We actually are very bad at connecting now more than a billion people to adequate access to nutrition, nutritious food. And it is a huge burden on society, on the GDP of nations and the world, if we fail to do so, let alone that it is a humanitarian uh, issue uh, that shouldn't be acceptable. And in closing, I wanted to highlight and ask you to speak about one of your programs, which is the Purchase for Progress program. Could you talk a little bit about its goals and objectives? Thank you. Well, the World Food Program wants to do our business 
which is feeding the world's hungry, in a way that serves the long-term development goals and helps solve hunger itself. And so one of our most innovative programs, which is supported by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Howard Buffett Foundation, and others, is to purchase the food that we use in our programs from the poor farmers themselves. And today, uh, we are purchasing uh, from Africa alone over a billion dollars worth of food. And when it's done right, it can be a win-win situation uh, that helps end hunger itself. I will give you two very quick examples. In the Democratic Republic of Congo, Farmers produce a lot of food. They're completely cut off from markets or the ability to get food out because of the conflict. The World Food Program, we have tripled our purchase from those farmers. Thereby, they do not need food aid. They're able to sustain their families, and we get the food we need for our program. So that's a triple win. In Senegal, it's a food deficit nation, but they produce a lot of salt, and we, pr- we purchase all the salt we need for our Senegal program, from 7,000 mostly women village producers who now are iodizing the salt for the first time ever for our requirements. So now the women don't need food aid. They're iodizing the salt, helping deal with an iodine deficiency epidemic in Senegal. And they feel proud to contribute to helping feed the most vulnerable in their country. So you have multiple wins when we do that right. And we're very proud of the progress we've made in that. This has been a CSIS Global Health Interview Series podcast at www.smartglobalhealth.org.